0: Today, we are embarking on a new journey, a new sermon series designed to unpack, discover, and examine the master's design for the family. Let me tell you a little something about myself before we begin. I am the type of person who never reads instruction manuals for anything, any device, any appliance, laptop, phones, kitchen appliance. I never read it. Maybe you can call it pride. Maybe it's laziness but I always go straight to the product, rip through the boxes, never read, just start using it and learn. Learn from the many days that I use it and trust my experience that it will be enough for me to maximize this, this, this device. So over time, I would say I get the hang of it. I get a hang of how to use these devices and I use it fairly well. But given that I never read the manual, given that I never actually studied it, there are features that I would be surprised that my phone, my device, can do. It is not until I see someone else using the same device that I realize Meron pa pala. there is much more to this. Maybe most of you are like me. Not really about devices or laptops or phones, but about family. Think about it. When have we read how to family? Do we Google that? Is there an instruction manual for that? We don't prepare to family. We just are family. Most of us, we discovered family because we were born into one. And we learn how to family based on how our family is, including all the ways it's It's quirks, it's weirdness, it's dysfunctions. We think that's what family is. It's just the way it is. And uh, as we form our own new families for young couples getting married, we learn how to parent, how to father, how to husband, how to wife, based on our fathers. Based on how we see our fathers talking to our mothers will be how we talk to our wives. So similarly, families have never been unlocked to its full potential because we never referred to the designer's manual. So this series invites us to go on a journey to finally read the instruction manual for the device that we have already been using for so many years, and that is our family. Given that most of us have never read this manual, we must be ready to admit that there are features we have misused There are features we have yet to discover, and there are ways that we've been using it all wrong. So we must be ready to admit that, humble enough to say, oh, there's more to this. Oh, I've been using this all wrong. Let's pray that we have that heart as we discover the master's design for the family. So today we begin this series by looking at how God renovates our families We already have them, it's already built, but how does God renovate it to its full design according to his user manual, according to the designer? Let's jump in by reading our passage for today in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to 21. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Before we can actually understand how our passage today speaks about family, we must first zoom out, and understand the flow of Apostles Paul's letter to the Ephesians. This is how I would outline the letter of Ephesians. Chapters 1 to 2 talks about God saving man to himself, redesigning a people for his purposes. Chapter 3 and 4 goes on to show us Paul's prayer for unity, for this new people, for this new God people, that they may united to live out their new design. Chapters 5 and 6 talks about practices and functions that must be seen because of the new design. They must live out differently. They must exhibit new functions because they are a new people. So, as we look at our passage, we are jumping in in chapter 5, chapter 5, verse 1 to 21, which means that Paul will be talking about practices and functions that must be seen according to their new design as a new people purposed. In God. With new design will come new functions. Design leads to function. And uh, let me try to tell you this story by using this analogy for today. Say I had a sum of money and decided to buy a property. And this property happened to be once a brothel, which is a house where men visit prostitutes. Upon buying this property, I decide that I want to make it into a church, a house placed, used as a place for public worship. So I want to repurpose and redesign this property from a house of prostitutes into a house of worship. Expectedly, there will be a lot of remodeling involved. Rooms will probably have to be torn down, beds thrown out, ornaments, designs, photos, walls, everything torn away, so that design leads to new function. We have to redesign so that the functions will be conducive. To do all that renovation, I must have some money to start with. Some capital resource. It will cost me a lot to redesign a whole new place. But without capital, that would be impossible. But once I have capital, I have investors, I have money, I have resources, manpower, I can start the renovation process. Throwing out the old, installing some new things, new things that will help make the place function the way I want it to be, to become a house of worship. So I need three things. First, resource capital. Second, I would need to do some remodeling. Throwing out the old designs and putting in the new. Third, I would need to fill it with new meaning and new purpose inside of a place. Forgive me for that crude analogy for using a brothel and a church in the same breath. But this is the best I could think of in illustrating how God renovates our families. You see, He provides us with our capital resource so that we can start the renovation process for our families. He then commands us, To clean out the old. To throw out the old things because new design is coming. New functions are required. And then third and lastly, he invites you to be filled with new. New meaning, new purpose, and new ability. New power to carry out what the design is meant to function as. So let's dive in. How does God provide us with capital resource? Ephesians 4.32-5-2. Says, be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Before God renovates you from a brothel to a place of worship, he first provides you with something to start with, a capital Resource and what is that capital resource? Aniyon panimula. What's the starter pack? He gives you forgiveness in Christ, and he gives you love from Christ. In Ephesians chapter one, verse four to seven, it says, "In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved." In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us. So here we see God doesn't just buy a new property and leave us be. He starts off our renovation and remodeling, not just by demanding that we become a new place, but he gives us new starter pack capital resource, the necessary resources to get us started. He first loved us. He first called us to himself. He first forgave us, lavishing grace upon grace on us when we were dead. He loves us. And from this place of love is our starter pack so that we can love others. So now, what does this capital resource have anything to do with my family? Let me tell you something. Most of our family conflicts and dysfunctions stem from a very common excuse. Every person will come to us saying, why should I go first? Why shouldn't my husband love me first? Why shouldn't my wife learn to respect me first? Why don't my children obey me? Why should I love them? They're already very disobedient. No one wants to start. No one wants to be the first to adjust, to change, and to sacrifice. But you see, Christ is telling us, the Bible tells us, Ephesians is telling us that Christ has given us already our capital resource. He says, Christ has already forgiven you. Christ has redeemed you. Christ has been the first. Christ went first so that you can experience forgiveness, so that you have been loved. You have received forgiveness. You have received love. Therefore, you are not going first. You are simply responding to the love, to the forgiveness that you have received. He has given you capital resource to begin the renovation. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive Together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, raised us up with him, and seated us within him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. These are all past tense finished work in Ephesians chapter 2. It is already done. It has been done for you. It has been begun. It has started already by Christ coming to us and loving us first. Therefore, capital resource is available to you. Why? It says in the very next verse, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. What is this verse saying? He said, I loved you first so that through you I might love others. I forgave you first so that others might experience forgiveness through you. Christ You, them. Christ is the first initiator. You don't have to go first. Christ has already gone before you to do what you need, to give you what you need in order to function anew. This means that God loves you and has already given you resource capital so that you can start your renovation within your families. If I were to paraphrase It's simply this. As God has gently forgiven you, so then you forgive others gently. As God has loved you sacrificially without expecting anything in return, so then you love others even if they have not loved you back. Sounds easy. Typed out on a slide, it looks easy. But we all know it's harder than what it seems. Here are some common reasoning that I discovered with the many... Stories within our churches. We hear parents saying this. I was parented this way. My kids should see that I'm already doing my best. I have nothing else to give. But then this Ephesians truth is telling us you have more. Christ has given you more. He has lavished more grace. So now our response will be this line italicized. Lord, you have parented me patiently and gently. Help me to parent my kids just like how you parent me. You are now imitating God because you have received love as beloved children. Next, narratives like this. This is the best that I know how. I did not even have a father when I was growing up. That's what we hear. But given that we have received love from God, this is how we must respond now. Lord, you have fathered me. You have forgiven my disobedience. You have corrected me gently, teaching me new and better ways, even as I make mistakes. Help me also to father my kids as you father me. This is the best way I know how to love my wife. She just needs to learn to accept the way I am. What we hear from husbands. Now that God has given you grace, He also helps you to be better. So now your prayers sound like this. Lord, despite of my imperfections, I know I am completely accepted because of your grace and love for me. However, I know your grace and love is meant to enable me to love others better too. Help me to take obedient steps to love even more like you. This is how God's love spurs us as our capital resource yung panimula our starter because he has loved you you have experienced adequacy and through that grace that was given to you now you have grace to give others so renovation begins with the ones who have received christ who have experienced his love who are seated here right now listening because god has called you to this place so that you might receive love from Him. It takes a person who has experienced God's love, forgiveness, gentleness, ongoing salvation, from his former self into a new self who loves others and forgives others just as Christ has forgiven him. So, this is our first point. Christ has provided us with capital resource to start the renovation within our families. You have received what you need to begin. However simple as this sounds, we all know this. We've been preached that Christ loved us, died for us, and saved us. This is a simple truth, but truth does not transform without, by itself. We need to allow truth to shower us daily and to capture our hearts and change us. This pushes us back towards scripture meditation, Bible reading, and intimate times with God. It could be statements of truth saved on your phone, meditating on your notes app, especially in moments where your heart needs capital to love from. It needs capital to forgive others. This may sound a little like this. Meditation and memorization. Jesus loves me with an everlasting love. I know that as I confess my sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive me of all my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. It may sound like reminding yourself and enlightening your heart to remember that the joy of the Lord is your strength that will help you obey. It will also mean declaring this truth that I will not fear because my God is with me. And then as we struggle to bring light to our families, we allow this truth to enlighten our hearts. I am called by Christ to be a light of the world and he will help me to do so. Declaring and meditating on these truths, it's what transforms us. It's what changes our hearts. It allows the spirit to massage these truths into life. Not just head knowledge. Not just declarations of, of, of a PowerPoint slide but really God's truth lived out even as we struggle in, func- in, in dysfunctions of our families. So church, what is God calling you to start? What spiritual disciplines will help you to be um, swimming in the ocean of God's love, to be reminded of God's love and forgiveness that has already been given to you as a capital resource? I pray these truths are impacting your hearts today. Our next point is from uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 to 17. Given that he has already given us capital resource to start our renovation, he also commands us to clean out the old from a brothel to a worship place. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And then the underlined part says, All impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among the saints. Let there no, be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, replace them with thanksgiving. And so as we go back to our brothel analogy, we have been given capital resource to begin this new project of renovation. But now as you survey the scene, as you survey the property you just bought, you realize there's so much left over from the previous owner that does not fit a place for worship. Hindi siya bagay. So that's what Paul was saying in Ephesians right here. That there are certain things in our former way of life that hindi na bagay. It no longer fits our new identity as beloved children of the most holy and blameless God there now must be a throwing away of the old things. Old design, old ways of life, old operational procedures, hindi na appropriate. Verses 5 to 9 says, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. What is Paul saying here? Before you were a brothel, you were a place of prostitutes. You were used for disobedience. You were used for the flesh. You were used for works of darkness. But now I have bought you and I have new purposes for you. Therefore, take away all these things that are left over from your previous owner. It doesn't fit anymore to what this place is renovating to be. No more Foolish talk, no more sexual immorality, no more impurity, no more covetousness, no more empty talk, no more disobedience. You are now sons of the living God, not anymore sons of disobedience. Your new identity, your new design, is as a place and a dwelling place for God. So walk as children of God. Walk as children of light. Leave the works of darkness. Because In the next verse, it says that is not the way you learn Christ. Now, this is from Ephesians chapter 4. That is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Instead, you need to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So as we go back to our brothel and worship place analogy, it means you were once used for these things. But now I have bought you and I have created a new place. I am redesigning you for a place of righteousness and holiness and worship. Therefore, put out the old, throw them out. It cannot coexist. Things about prostitutes, things about prostitution can no longer exist in this place because this is a place of worship. Things of worship must be here. Things of God, things of righteousness, behaviors and functions that are conducive for a place and a dwelling place of God. So this is a concept of repentance. Paul is introducing to us what repentance is without saying the word repentance itself. And unfortunately, in the Christian life, most of the time, we fail to understand what true repentance means. Let me try to give you a picture so that you can understand what repentance should mean. You see, sometimes we think of repentance as feeling bad. We attend Sundays like today, we listen to God's message, we attend discipleship groups, we attend life groups, we attend journey groups, seminars, we listen to YouTube, we listen to podcasts, and we feel bad. We are convicted of our sin. Ah, I shouldn't be this way. I should change the way I, ah, I think I'm doing wrong. That is the left side. It's the guilt, remorse, and feeling bad. You already feel bad. You feel bad when you come to church. You are convicted of the ways that you are imperfect and that you need God. But we leave the church only having done the left side. We never reach to the U-turn side where we course adjust, where we renew our ways, where we discover new methods. Paul was saying this, you cannot be a brothel and a worship place at the same time. There must be things you leave forever. There must be new things that you begin to learn to do because you have been refurbished and renovated. Things cannot coexist here. Things of dirt, things of dark, things of light. It simply cannot coexist. So repentance looks like I can no longer shout at my wife and say that I want to love her. I can no longer say I want to love her and go home and curse at her. Things like that. You have to review. You have to see which ones are no longer appropriate. Which ones are no longer appropriate at place here. It's out of place. It's dislocated. It's joint, disjointed. So how do we do this as Christians? As Christians, how can we make the full U-turn of repentance? Not just feeling bad and going home, doing the same exact things. How can we complete the U in the U-turn? Ephesians chapter 4, Paul has already equipped the church. He has taught them some methods to do this. Let's read these verses in 15, 25, and 29. Paul says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Therefore, verse 25, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Verse 29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So what was Paul saying? Speaking truth is a ministry. Truth speaking is a ministry. It moves people from being unaware that there are things of prostitution still left in their, in their place, in their property. It says, oh, there's something there that I see in your life that is no longer appropriate to be Present in a believer's life. We speak the truth to one another so that we grow up, we clean up, we throw out, we put on the new self. Without truth speaking, then we will just be merely tiptoeing around the dirt, but never actually transforming and renovating our lives and our houses fully into a place of worship. Sadly, One of the most common problems within our families is we do not speak the truth. As Asian families, that's the culture that we have brought in from our former way of life. We simply tiptoe around difficult issues. We tiptoe around our fathers. We tiptoe around that difficult son. We tiptoe around that nosy wife. We tiptoe around each other until nothing actually transforms. We just get tolerant of these ugly things that are existing among us, But speaking the truth says it brings repentance, it brings growth, but it has to be done in love. With the motive of love, because I love you, I will tell you the truth, but also in the manner of love. I need to tell him the truth, but what's the best way to tell him that truth so that he won't just be hurt, but he would be corrected, he would be built up, he would give, be given grace to those who hear it. One of the things that I want to bring up is that most commonly in the Asian culture, one truth we do not speak to one another is how our fathers think that they are the ultimate authorities of every family. Meaning, their voice is the final voice for every decision, no matter what the kids say, no matter what the wife thinks. My voice is final, so everyone needs to submit. They think Christian submission is that way. But here in Ephesians chapter 4, it's redefining how we look at families. It's giving us a new user manual for how we think headship in the family is. In verse 15, we see again, it is Christ who is our head. And we are to speak truth to one another so that we grow up into the actual head, not our fathers. We do not submit to our fathers merely, but we submit to Christ. So when the father is not aligned to Christ, we must speak the truth to him, telling him, Dad, that is not how Christ was taught to me. That is not how Christ does these decisions. And the father, in turn, must also be willing to submit himself to Christ, humbly realizing that his authority is limited, imperfect, and still ongoing. Therefore, he must also admit that truth speaking coming from a son, no matter how uncomfortable it is, might be something that the Holy Spirit is using to speak the truth in love because he wants to transform and renovate us. So, fathers, we must listen. We must listen to our wives. We must listen to our sons. We must listen to our family because here, Christ is at work. Christ is teaching us as we listen, as we humbly put ourselves in under his truth and under his teaching. One way to practice this, to create an environment for truth speaking, is through the spiritual discipline of family talks. Some suggested talk points, these are not imposed, these are, I only made this, but I hope this will help you. You can ask your family this maybe after today's service. Family, in what ways do you see Christ in me as a father, as a son, as a brother, as a wife? And then ask them how about areas of improvement? What should I improve? Third, what fruits of the spirit must I learn to exhibit more of? Do I need to be more gentle, ba? Do I need to be more patient, ba? Do I need to self-control my stress and my emotions? Things like that. Without creating an environment where your family is allowed to speak to you, then who else can speak the truth in love to you? Do you expect your church members to do that for you? Do you expect your pastors to do that for you? If in the family, the people you love the most and who have the most access to your life, you don't even allow to speak to your life, then how can you expect the pastors to, to be able to speak to you and you be able to humbly receive it. Cultivate humility by listening and having difficult conversations within your family so that you, speaking the truth in love, may build each other up towards correction and improvement and growth in Christ. But also, here's the caveat. In the Asian families also, we only speak the truth when it's about correction. Think about it, when we, when we were in school and then we would get uh, a grade of 99, what would your father first tell you? Why wasn't it 100? But they never tell you, good job for getting 99% right. In the same way, that carries over. Most often, we talk to our kids when there's something to change, when there's something to to correct, when there's something to do. But we never speak the truth when we see them doing good, when they see them exhibiting Christ-likeness. When we see them excelling in life, we don't speak the truth. I'm so proud of you. You make me proud. You've improved so much. I love you, my wife. You have been so patient with me. We don't say those things. We only say it when they already have something to correct. That is also something we need to change. Our former manner of life is no longer fitting. Ephesians is challenging us to put on the new self created in holiness and righteousness, an imitation of Christ. So Christ affirms people. Christ appreciates people. Christ thanks people. Christ forgives. Christ loves. Christ builds up. I pray this is resonating in your hearts. So, the Lord helps us renovate our families as he commands us to clean out the old. So let's summarize our two points so far. He has already given us capital resource to start our renovation project. So the discipline involved is meditating, basking, and embracing what God, what Christ has already done for you. Memorizing his attributes, declaring his truths, reciting his name, saving things on your phone that would remind him of what he has done and what he continues to do for you that fuels you to emulate him. The second point is that given that Christ has already bought us, has already made us new, there are some things that we must continually evaluate and remove from our lives. The repentance U-turn. We must not feel bad only about the ways we are not like Christ. We must do something about it. We must find new ways of exhibiting and imitating Christ. That is what repentance is. So part of repentance is listening to correction, speaking the truth in love. It's about family talks, having a safe space where each member of the family is affirmed, corrected, rebuked, taught, encouraged, affirmed. These things create an environment of growth and learning in a safe family environment. But now the question becomes to our third point, how will we sustain this? Who will help us do all these things? Because that's a lot of things. We need to remind ourselves of truths. We need to practice these truths. We need to evaluate our lives. We have to uh, learn how to do new things. So many new disciplines that we must build. I'm so overwhelmed. How can I do this by myself? These are totally new ways of life I've never done before. And it will not be easy. Let's go back to our passage and see what Paul says. Here in verse 18 21, Paul encourages the Ephesians to not get drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. There was a contrast that he was doing. So the wine illustration is helpful for us to understand how to be filled with the Spirit. Think about when you were drunk. Is that something comfortable to talk about? But I guess we all have experience to that. Not that I have a lot. But whenever a person is drunk, Drunk with alcohol, what does the wine do? What does the wine do to the person? The more a person is filled with alcohol and with wine, the less he is able to temper and control himself against what the alcohol is leading him to do. It is the alcohol that suddenly has control over him, rather than his inhibitions. In Tagalog, dahil sa alak hindi na ang That is helpful to understand what Paul is telling us to do with the Spirit this time. He's telling us that we must allow the Spirit to lead us, to take control of us so that our inhibitions against the Spirit are put to the side and we allow the Spirit to carry us through, to, to, con- to have control over us and to lead us into the ways of living be filled with the spirit and what would be the result the result are these verbs in italics it's we will as we are filled with the spirit we 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 result into addressing one another in beautiful songs and beautiful sounds parang kinakantahan mo and then your heart is full of thanksgiving it's always making melody to the lord always giving thanks to the lord for anything and every circumstance this is a result not of manual manufacture, but it's really the result of being filled and being carried out, carried away by the Spirit. The more the person is filled with the Spirit, the more the God is able to lead him and use him as an instrument to carry out renovation among his neighbors and his family. So he invites you to be filled with new. Think about the brothel and church analogy. Now that we've, we are in the discipline of cleaning out the old, throwing out the old things, we also need to fill this place with new meaning, with new purpose. And who gives us that purpose? Who teaches us new ways of doing this place, of handling and operating this property? It's the Spirit in us. We've all tried to make New Year's resolutions, and we experience this. We start off being really motivated. Okay, Pastor Nathan taught me so much today. I want to go home, change my life. I have these goals. I'm going to do it. But weeks pass, days pass even. By Wednesday, you don't even remember what we talked about here on Sunday. The Lord, in his renovation project, invites us to change our lives in better ways than just Being excited and being motivated and losing gas and motivation in the middle of the week. He gives us the Holy Spirit. But who is the Holy Spirit and how does he help us sustain our resolutions? How does being filled with him help us in our families? So here are a few verses. These are merely a few verses, but there's tons more about who the Holy Spirit is. But I believe this will help us already. The Spirit is the one who helps us. The Spirit is the one who cleanses at us, remember, putting off the old. He's the one who helps us identify which are the old parts. He also transforms us. He renews us with each obedience. And He teaches and reminds us. He brings us truth to remind us of God's love, of God's teaching, and God's ways, God's character. He's the one who gives you those thoughts. And he enables us and empowers us to be effective for God. As he renovates you, he helps you, he cleanses you, he transforms you. Then you become an agent of transformation for your family. So, why do we see so few families being transformed then? We have so much new ideas. We have so much new good examples here among us in our members. Good fathers, good wives, good husbands, good children. But why don't we experience transformation as we desire it to be? Maybe because we quench the Spirit. And that is how the Holy Spirit can be quenched, according to Paul in 1 Thessalonians. We quench the Spirit by ignoring Him, suppressing Him, ignoring His voice in our lives, in our thoughts, and in our hearts. Instead, what does Paul urge the Galatians to do? Instead, walk by the Spirit, brothers, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So brothers and sisters, there is a choice that is being presented to you today based on our Ephesians. To transform our families, we must not merely rely on truth knowledge, learning from Sundays to life groups, but also we must continue in a life of repentance, changing the way of the old and practicing new ways of doing, new operational procedures, new key performance indicators. And how do we sustain and remind us of all those things? Not not journaling, not anything, but really it is the Holy Spirit at work in us, being carried away, being meditative, being available to the Spirit's work in us Lord, what do you want to, me to do in this family? Lord, how do you want me to be better as a husband? Being continually about the Spirit's work, being paying attention, being attentive to His voice, being attentive to His promptings in your life. That is how we will be carrying out our new identities, our new functions inside of how God is already renovating us. So, it's a little mystique mysterious, right? How do we walk by the Spirit? We don't really see that being taught. But here are a few ways that I would suggest we begin. Most of our days are spent running around from task to task, thinking that being busy equates being obedient to God, doing our business, doing our uh, house chores. But that is not always so. Being obedient to God requires constant recalibration, constant Intimate relationship, constant evaluation, constant listening to God within our day, within our busyness. This means we need to create margins between errands, between meetings, and between agendas so that we might prayerfully discern what the Spirit is asking of us before entering the next chunk of the day. This would mean maybe in lunchtime, you look back and pray, Lord, how was I listening to you this morning? Lord, how what sins did I uh, ignore this morning in how I treated my family, how I rushed to bring my kids to school, how I shouted at them when they were late? What new things should I be conscious of heading into the afternoon? Or maybe at the end of the day, you look back, Lord, where were you? Where were your invitations? How are you trying to teach me to be better based on the data that I gathered about who I am today? These are just sample questions. I also put some questions here. Lord, what truth do I need to be reminded of today? Given that I'm anxious, I'm stressed, work is very, very busy. What truth do I, do I need to be walking by and abiding in? Second, Lord, what are you teaching me? Based on this recent season, these circumstances that you've surrounded me with, what are you teaching me? Third, Lord, what sins are you asking me to turn away from? What things should I put off? Lord, what things should I put on? If you're not having these intimate conversations with God, then maybe you don't have a relationship. Maybe you're using God as a resource only, as a to-do list, but not really communing with God and spiritually walking with Him. One of my professors once taught us what it looks like to be keeping in step with the Spirit. So, when I step to the right, you step one step to the left. That means we're still looking face to face. When I step to the left, you step to the right, we're still looking face to face. She says that's what it means to be keeping in step with the Spirit. We're always recalibrating. What is the Spirit teaching me? How can I mirror Him? How can I imitate the way He is? Because if I got delayed for three or more steps, I'm so far off. Every day I have to recalibrate. And that's what Paul is reminding us of. We must be filled with the Spirit and it will enable us to be addressing people with songs and psalms. It will enable us to overflow with thanksgiving. And it will enable us to submit to one another because we realize that the Spirit is at work in and among the family roles here given to us. So he invites us to be filled with anew. He invites us to be filled with anew. By walking in the newness of the Spirit that is constantly teaching us, helping us, and empowering us to live new lives. As places not anymore of darkness, as sons not anymore of disobedience, but now children of light, beloved children of God who have received and um, uh, experienced God's love. So now you are invited to put off the old self of the brothel of prostitution, of idolatry, and to put on the new self that is created using ingredients of holiness and righteousness. So church, what did we talk about today? How does God renovate our families? He starts by giving you You who are here today, you who have known and received and communed with God, he has given you capital resource. He has given you this community. He has given you this church so that you have love that goes around and comes back around. And as you receive that love, you can be able to go back in your homes after this Sunday, being renewed in the spirit, being filled with love and forgiveness and grace through your brothers and sisters here so that you can clean out the old in your house. You no longer bring in uh, your masungit attitude when you go back home. You're bringing a newness of energy. You're bringing a newness of life that refreshes those who are waiting at home. And then he invites you to clean out the old practices of authoritarianism, not listening to your wife, not talking to your kids. And he invites you to humbly do new things, even as awkward as it may be. And then it invites you to review what things I need to change humbly because you realize that Christ wants to work through you and in you to show his people his love. Then he invites you to walk in the newness of life by keeping in step with the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, being drunk with the Spirit so that you are carried by the Spirit. You're always about Him, you're always about the Spirit's agenda. So he provides us with capital resource. He commands us to clean the old and then he invites us to be filled with the new. I pray that this message becomes something that starts your renovation project inside of your families as we continue to learn from the master's design, the user's manual of how we can live as the master wanted us to live in our families. Let us close this time in prayer. Heavenly Father, we have so much to learn We have so much to repent of, Lord. We have done ways of doing family in the wrong ways, in the ways that we thought it was. But Lord, today you are teaching us new things, new knowledge of what a family should be. A place of worship, a place of love, a place of forgiveness, a place of truth speaking and growing and and affirmation and correction and humility and submission to one another. Because you are at work among us. You desire to renovate each one of us personally through our family members, speaking the truth to us, areas of improvement, areas they have not seen you in us. Help us to humbly submit to each other because we know you work through us and you desire to continue to perfect our families for your glory and for your sake. Help us to continually abide by the Spirit so that we have power to carry through these truths that we have learned today. Help us not just to feel bad, to be remorseful of the things that the Spirit convicted us of, but truly turn the U-turn of repentance, where we find new ways of doing family, to put on the new ways of living, new operational procedures, awkward as it may be, empower us. We put us at your feet, surrendering that we are not good enough, but we need your help to be better family members. Continue to speak to us through this series as we discuss different roles for the upcoming weeks and use the discussion material, Lord, to, to change our lives and massage these truths into our hearts. In Christ's most precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining our Sunday worship. We hope to see you again next week.